everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. Woohoo! <laughs> I'm excited. This episode was crazy. Yeah. And then sad. So maybe I'll do a disclaimer oh. when it gets sad, and then you could just stop listening. Yeah, we have a sad ending to this. Yeah, but up until then, crazy. They're all Datelines are sad, but this has a, an extra punch to the heart. Yeah. This episode is called The Phone Call. Season 29, episode 42, aired on April 16th, 2021, hosted by our new lovely lady, the marvelous Miss Morales. We're still working on her nickname. Not bad. Empress was floated around today because Andrea's the queen. I don't know. They wanted something equally as regal. I don't know. It's not, nothing's been decided on. But Natalie herself did participate. Oh, by retweeting us saying, yes, please. I want a nickname. I feel like the marvelous Ms. Morales is a very strong nickname and just as strong as Queen Andrea. Yeah, maybe. I like it. I don't know if other people might have to do a poll. Okay. I feel like it would get high marks, but I've been wrong about polls before. So never. <laughs> this takes place in 2008. Oh, I have things that we were wrong about last time, by the way. So do I. Really? I know a few right off the bat because I caught them and I was like, I can take this out. I'm not going to. One of them's pretty major. And I don't know why I didn't step up and say, that's not a tomato. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> I, I totally somehow was just, I was just going along with you. I was right there with it. Like, yeah, it's gazpacho. Because well, it was kind of making sense in my head. It looks, it still looks like a tomato to me. That last episode, and the minute I looked yeah. at that punch bowl, I was like, well, that's a, that's an orange slice. See, I still think it looks like a tomato. Like, I would die on that hill. But everyone else says it's a blood orange. Oh, no, it's straight up an orange slice. But why are you dying on that hill? In punch. Yeah, girl. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a very common thing. But why I didn't think of it at the time and was, like, thinking it's fully a soup. I, don't I, don't get, I still don't get it. Anyways, if you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about the latest double date episode episode called Axe to Grind. Yeah. So this episode, though, we're talking about the phone call. We're talking about Dateline. It takes place in 2008. We are in Kansas City, Kansas, not Kansas City, Missouri, mm-hmm. a city which exists for the sole purpose of confusing me and ruining my life. You bet. The formatting of this episode also confused the heck out of people on Twitter. They were so confused. Why? I wasn't that confused. But people on Twitter were really confused. But I don't think they're paying as much attention as if they had to host a podcast about it. You couldn't get up and walk away on this one. You kind of needed to no, you couldn't. watch straight through. You would get lost. I do see that. Yeah. And if you're on Twitter, you're going to get lost. Mm-hmm. So you have to, you're making a choice when you're on Twitter. It's either you're tweeting and giving the episode your partial attention or you put the phone down. And I say, don't make that choice. Sophie's choice. (laughs) So we start with two teenagers who are on their way to school when their dad gets arrested and the cops point guns at the teens and take them all into the station. We'll get back to these teens. It's very intense. Around 2.30 a.m., we're rewinding now. I think this is why people were so confused. Right. 2.30 a.m., a man calls 911 saying his sister Kathleen Schroll needed help. Police go to her house and they find both Kathleen and her husband Carl dead. There's no evidence of a break-in. A gun is near Kathleen's body near her foot. Seems Kathleen had shot her husband and then killed herself 
like a murder suicide. Mm-hmm. She's shot in the back of the head, though. Remember that. Her daughter, Blair, is devastated. She knew that Carl and Kathleen were in a fight, but her mom would never kill him and herself. Carl was 20 years older than Kathleen, but they say age is just a number unless you're on 90 Day Fiance, in which it's a red flag. Blair's best friend, Shannon, is on the show. So this we have Blair, the actual daughter. Then for some reason, we also have her friend, and she's a bit of an extraneous interview for no reason, but I still like her. But I don't know why she's there. She's like a second daughter. Is the feeling I get is like a super close family friend. Yeah, but wh- we already have the actual daughter. But I sort of, okay, if it was, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of someone who's like mom is a second mom to them. Yeah, I get it. But I still don't need them to be on Dateline. If it was an hour episode, they if they were going to cut anything, she didn't need to be there. But I still liked her. I'm just saying I still liked her. Okay. But sometimes we have interviewees where we're like, why are you there? I'm just surprised you're going for her. We had another one who was super extraneous. Oh, I can't wait for that. But then becomes important later. But I had written off. Oh, written off. Yeah, sometimes you write someone off. You don't even write their name down. Then they become really important and you have to rewind and find out what their actual name is. I have her written down. She's coming very soon. The best part of Blair and Shannon or Shannon being there really is she says that Kathleen taught them about their bodies going through changes. About being a young lady is how she put it. I was so uncomfortable. I felt like I was getting the talk. Natalie seemed delighted, though. Natalie's reaction was real sweet. Natalie loves the, yeah, Natalie's a delight. Kathleen works at a bank, and her second job is caring for an elderly man, Olin Coons. So she was the beneficiary on Olin, this elderly man that she was caring for, is 40 thousand dollar life insurance and he left her his house when he passed away wow now the daughter blair felt like her mom really loved this olin like it was her father she loved him like a father they were very close but one thing in kathleen's life wasn't going great she was in a lawsuit for money and she was gonna win the other person was mad but how mad mad enough to murder we'll find out Kathleen's mom and brother go to the police right away. They say she didn't kill herself and Carl. It was this guy, Pete Coons, the guy from the lawsuit, who is the son of Olin, the elderly man that Kathleen was caring for. Pete was royally ticked that she had gotten her dad's money and house. Kathleen was saying Pete was not close to his dad at all. He was a drug addict, and that's why his dad had basically written him off and not given him any of his money. She said that Pete was threatening her. He would show up at Kathleen's work and would show up at the gas station where she was pumping her gas and threaten her. Kathleen said that Pete had gone into his dad's house and stolen the plumbing, which, does that work? Try to wash your hands now, Dad. Good luck. She'd gone in and, okay, like the copper pipes because they're valuable? They're worth money? You melt them down? I don't understand. That's kind of what I assumed, but okay, maybe not. She thought Pete was getting desperate because the court case was almost settled. Pete had recently confronted her at the Quick Trip, which is a convenience store, which I kept reading as Q-Tip, and it is not Q-Tip. It's Quick Trip with a K. Never seen it. Never been to one. Don't know it. 
No, I bet it's nice. I bet it's like the Wawa. Maybe. And she said, he said to her, you won't be around to spend any of that money, B word, because like she would be dead, I guess. And this was two days before she died. So it's looking really bad for Pete. Kathleen was scared for her life, she said, but she didn't tell Carl or the police because she didn't think they would do anything. Okay. Mm -hmm. Police discover a phone call which is as good as an eyewitness. This phone call is why this episode is called The Phone Call. It is the titular phone call. Mm -hmm. So at 2.30 a.m., Kathleen calls her mom and says, Pete's here. He's trying to break in. He's going to kill Carl and then kill me. So Pete is our killer. Like, it's common sense. Much like wearing Beta Brand pants. Oh. Beta Brand customer favorite dress pant yoga pants which are dress pants that are as comfortable as yoga pants, are made of wrinkle-resistant stretch-knit fabric, which means you can wear them all day and night, from working at a bank to caring for the elderly to avoiding the elderly's children. They have tons of styles like boot cut, straight legs, skinny, cropped. They constantly have new things. I always look under the new arrivals because they always have great new stuff. They have new stuff colors for spring, like blues and pinks. As we're all venturing outside, it's... Nice to feel put together. It's a real mood booster that you don't go outside wearing your sweats with the guacamole stain on the butt. Oh, yeah. How did the guacamole stain get on your butt? It's complicated. I don't want to talk about it. Let it go, Katie. Beta Brand website is also really cool. They have a future concepts tab where you can vote on what they're going to make next. Love it. It's so cool. It's basically like being on Project Runway, but without the stress. Right now, our listeners can get 25% off their very first order by going to betabrand.com forward slash dateline. That's 25% off your first order for a limited time at betabrand.com forward slash dateline. Find out why women are buying five different pairs of these pants. Go to betabrand.com forward slash dateline for 25% off. I want my beta brand, beta brand, beta brand. I want my beta brand, beta brand, beta brand, beta brand, beta, beta brand pants. Sometimes with pockets. Thank you, beta brand. So we feel like obviously it's Pete, but it's very early for this to happen in an episode. And you keep looking at the clock going, this is a two hour? How is this two hour? So police go and they arrest Pete and they take the two teens where he was dropping them off at school from the beginning of the story. Pete and Dee, his wife, have five children, his oldest daughter and her husband, who has a crazy beard and mustache combo. Also, the teen that got pulled into the cop station with the guns. He has a beard. I was starting to feel like there was going to be lots of beards. Oh, yeah. So I started to do a beard count and then it was less than I thought there was going to be. And then I felt really stupid for doing a a beard count because it was only like three and I was like, got all excited. And then it was kind of a letdown. But at the, we do have some solid beards. Big beards. So the daughter and her husband are literally driving around town looking for Pete because they don't know where he is. He was supposed to drop the kids off from school and he just disappeared. Melanie, she was the daughter that was going to school with Pete and got pulled into the station. She's 14 years old. She's terrified. They were holding guns on these kids. One was 14 and one is 17. They make them sit at the police interrogation for hours. They ask her scary questions about her dad. The detective was so aggressive. She said she was scared to even ask to go to the bathroom. Like, 
it's not right. And the son is scared, too. He was handcuffed to a chair in an interrogation room by himself. He's 17 years old. And it's his dad that they're arresting, yet they handcuff the son. Is it because he has this beard and looks like a magician? Maybe, but unsure. Still not right. We see a picture of him. He didn't have the beard. Oh, he didn't have the beard back then. None of this seems legal, above board. It all seems very horrible. I will say this. The two children are incredibly well-spoken. Melanie and Ben, the two that were pulled over, they are one of our main interviews, and they are just so clear and really like detailed in their description of what happened. Yeah, absolutely. So finally, the police bring the teens back home and they tell D, we've arrested your husband and we've got to toss this house, which I can imagine the cops saying things like that. I'm going to start saying it. I don't know when I'll have cause to. Seems a little cavalier. Yeah, it does seem cavalier. I'm going to toss this house, this your property, your home where your family lives and your children grew up. I'm just going to toss it. Yeah, we're going to toss it looking for evidence against your husband. It's harsh. Yeah, it is harsh. They're looking for guns. They're searching his car for gunshot residue and blood. Pete's kids and his wife know their dad would never do anything. Dee has known Pete for more than 30 years. They've been married forever. He's a postal worker. He was a great dad. He was a touring musician in the 60s and 70s, which begins his hair journey. Yeah. In photographs. Sometimes he has crazy blonde fluffball hair. Sometimes he has brown Bob Ross hair. Mm-hmm. Later on, he has gray hair and that around the jaw facial hair that's around the jawline, but then goes up and over the lip like a Tetris cube. Yeah, I don't know what that's called. I don't know what that's called either. Jaw stash. Tetris jaw. Tetris jaw. So they say... Pete has an alibi. He was at home all night, and so were we. Dee heard him coughing all night long, and and she heard him go to the bathroom. She heard him coughing between 2 and 2.30, again at 4 a.m. Right. Heard him go to the bathroom at 4.30. How does Dee ever sleep through the night? Being married to Pete is like having a newborn in the house. Get that man, that Mucinex snot dude from the commercial, because... He has some flip. It seems like he's a coffer and it seemed like it was a point of contention, to be honest. Yeah, I'm surprised they've been married for 30 years. Can't believe it's lasted so long. D would have walked away at that first cough, which is why I'm not married. No, D seems like a, a stick, stick it to it person. Yeah. I did like yeah. D very much. No, she's great. So January 2009, Pete goes on trial for murder. There are never any other suspects that the police looked at. Again, this is all very early in the episode. Mm -hmm. The prosecutor says Pete had a royal gripe with Kathleen about his dad's inheritance. Hey, I said royally ticked, and they said royal gripe. There you go. I love when Dateline and I are on the same wavelength. Blair takes the stand and says he threatened my mom at the gas station. Prosecutors are theorizing that he took some kind of weapon, not a gun, a blunt object of some sort hit Carl, then grabbed Kathleen's gun and shot Carl and then shot Kathleen in the back of the head because Carl has a blunt force injury on the his head and two gunshots in his body. The autopsy says it points to double homicide, not murder-suicide, especially because Kathleen is shot in the back of the head. Kathleen's 
mother takes the stand and relays the infamous titular phone call. I'm going to keep saying that word. I like it. She says, Kathleen said, Pete is in the house. He's going to kill Carl and then me. And then the phone goes dead. At this point, Kathleen's mom tells Kathleen's brother, Randy, what just happened. Kathleen's brother, Randy, is the one who calls 911 and says, my sister just called and this guy is at her house and he's going to kill him. His name is Pete Coons. He's so calm. He lacks even the intensity you would have if a neighbor put a bag full of their dog's poop in your trash bin. Like you would even have more intensity with that sort of 911 call. Also, don't call 911 for that. It's not an emergency. It's just de classe. Oh, really? If you put, at least you're throwing it away. It's in a bag? Very tacky to put it in someone else's trash bin. I only do it on rare occasions. Unless, I would only do it if their trash was still in there, which means it hasn't been picked up yet. But to put it in an empty bin when the trash is already gotten taken, that's so rude. That's dumb. But- I think also we have to remember it's 2.30 in the morning when Randy is calling. I think Randy may have gotten woken up with this information. And I think he's maybe a slow starter. So maybe he's trying to figure out what's going on. But wouldn't you think your sister might have just been murdered is kind of like a espresso shot? Nah, we don't know Randy. No, we don't know Randy. We don't know Randy's life. But I have a feeling, no, Randy seems like he's a sound sleeper. Yeah. So he says he's breaking in with a gun, Mm -hmm. but that's not exactly the truth because he didn't break in with a gun. He broke in with a blunt object, hit Carl with it, then used Kathleen's gun. It's kind of all over the place, the story. Also, it is odd that someone would break into someone's house without a weapon. Yeah. Without a gun. Just assuming they would find a gun there. It's a little strange. Yeah. Also... Why did Kathleen call her mom instead of 911? I don't know. Very, very good question. Yeah. Now we're starting to have questions. Is this at the point in the episode where you were starting to have questions? I was a little slow on the uptake on this episode. So. But you had tooth pain and it was affecting your brain. It was. Functions. But I have, I definitely had a question about the the gun. They weren't explaining clearly how he got the gun. I really yeah, I didn't. can't remember if it was in Kathleen's purse and or she had taken it out to protect herself from him breaking in and he wrestled it away from her. But how did he know where it was? Was more the Because it the was in thing. her hand. Because she had it when she was on the phone with her mom. Because she took it out because he she heard him breaking in the house. Are you sure about that? She says, Mom, I have a gun? I'm not sure of anything. Okay, I don't remember that being part of the phone call. I thought that the part of the phone call was he's got a gun and he's going to kill Carl and then he's coming to kill. That was Randy's interpretation to 911. That was not what the mom said. The mom never said he has a gun. But Randy, who made the actual 911 call after getting the call from Kathleen. So we basically have no idea. We don't know if we... Right, because we don't know to trust Randy's word. This is like a game of telephone. Like, did Kathleen say he had a gun and then told it to the mom and then the mom told to Randy? If this mom is anything like my mother, she gets half the facts of the story wrong. She doesn't even know which people are involved in the story. And it's under duress. So under duress, I can't imagine what Joni would be like under duress. So 
she'd probably actually be really calm, like way different than normal Joni, just like really laser focused. But yeah, we don't know who to believe if Randy. So you're right. We don't know really how he got the gun. We don't know. I was confused about the other stuff I was sort of taking as I was being told, like, okay, so they had a fight and they did this and this happened and this happened. But what really sort of got to me was, okay, if he was, if they're killed with her gun, he has to know where it is. No, we are led to believe that he got it from her. I did not believe that, maybe. That's what they tell us, the police. I don't remember being told that. So there, so that's where my confusion was. I did not hear that. So I assumed... That's the prosecution's theory, is that he got the gun away from her after he hit Carl with the blunt object, which is now missing. Okay, so then that's why I was confused, because it doesn't match up that... So she's then pulling a gun on him and like, okay, get back away from my husband... And he turns around and somehow wrestles the gun away from her. I I don't think she would do that. I think she would have shot him. I think she would have shot I mean, him immediately. H- how did Pete take down two adults? Well, that's the question. I, she would have shot him if she if he she would have had a chance to shoot him before he wrestled the gun. Unless there's some other thing happening here that I don't know about, or Pete brought someone with him that was holding her back and finding her gun. There's some questions here, but we are definitely being led to believe that Pete is guilty. Yeah. And I bought it. I was trying to put it together how he did it. I was like, okay. Yeah. This is how he did it. Those kids seem to the one thing that got me and when I really started to turn is Natalie point blank asked Dee the wife and Melanie and Ben. She asked them, do you think there's any way that he did this? And they all say never with such conviction. And I was like, yeah. This doesn't feel like a family protecting. Yeah, they felt legitimately like, I believe you. Fully. I don't, yeah. I bought it, yeah. Yeah. Pete's family believes he's being railroaded. Yeah. Pete's defense attorney totally believes in his innocence. Love her. There is no blood. There is no DNA. There is no fingerprints that link him to ever having been in that house, ever. D testifies that he coughed, he used the computer, he got up to use the bathroom because he's the worst roommate ever. Worse than a roommate who steals your personalized pro shampoo, even though it clearly has your name on it. Oh, that is the worst because pros is precious. And it says it's personalized. It says your name right on it. It's like someone at work who steals your lunch and it wrote, this is Kimberly's lunch. Do not steal. Kimberly Pros is literally the world's most personalized hair care. Spoiler alert. It's the real deal. I love it. It is the only thing that makes my hair great. I'm convinced of it. <laughs> you make your hair great, Katie. That, that doesn't that doesn't ring honest. <laughs> <laughs> Pros knows that there is more to you than just your hair type. Pros has given over 1 million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz, which is how I got started on my hair journey. The quiz is great because it's pretty personal questions that they're asking, like your zip code, your eating habits, that what is the damage level of your hair, which my answer to that is maximum, all, 10 out of 10. The same as my soul, the same as the damage level to my Heart. Damage level to the heart, damage level to the hair (laughs) is equal. Exercise, which is the opposite end of the scale, which is zero, negative two, whatever that end of the scale is. But somehow through this very detailed quiz, Pros is able to come up with these hair care formulations that are honed in 
to make your hair beautiful. And boy, do they ever. With their algorithm and over 50 billion formula combinations, Pros determines a unique blend of ingredients to treat your exact concerns. And then you are also able to pick a scent, which I love. So I personally prefer anything that smells sort of like baked goods. So when I saw that there's an almond leaning scent, I said, yes, that's for me. And it smells like a dream. Pros also has a review and refine feature. So it let me tweak my formula when I changed my address to the opposite coast because my whole weather system has changed. It would also do the same. Let's say I change hair color is a great feature for the site to have because, I mean, it's good to make changes and you want to make sure that your hair changes with you, right? Yes. And if you're not 100% positive, Pros is the best hair care you've had. They will take the products back. No questions asked. Pros is the healthy hair regimen with your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair quiz and get 15% off your first order today. That's 15% off. Go to pros.com slash date dateline. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash date dateline for your free in-depth hair quiz and 15% off. Strike a pros. Pros, 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 pros. So get your own, Jocelyn. Get your hands off Katie. <laughs> Jocelyn is the name of Katie's invisible roommate. Oh, Jocelyn. Jocelyn, if you can believe it, her hair is more damaged than mine. <laughs> She's a nightmare. <laughs> Thank you so much, pros. Check them out, guys. Thank you, pros. So Pete's daughter and her boyfriend, who is beard number two, they were up watching a movie very late that night and they saw Pete awake. He came and said, don't stay up too late, kids. So they also heard him coughing and clicking on the keyboard at 2.30 a.m., which is right around the time of the murder, So, which was the time of the phone call from Kathleen to Kathleen's mom. So I think it's pretty obvious what we have here is a Ferris Bueller-type situation where Pete made a recording of himself typing and hacking up a hairball and then played it on a tape recorder in a room. And then maybe there's a fake Pete cutout like those dancing people at the Christmas party um, in Home Alone that are by the window. Okay. So some sort of combo of both, I think, is what's happening. Yeah, mannequin. That's what's happening. So the defense says there's no surveillance footage proof that he ever harassed her at Q-tip, Quick Mart, whatever. (laughs) Kathleen never filed a restraining order or called the police. Pete is now terrified. He says his dad always told him, if you're scared, go find a policeman. They'll take care of you. The system doesn't make mistakes. Oh, no. It's like the opposite of what black parents tell their children. So he's being interviewed by Natalie, and it's hard to tell if he's in jail or not because the background is blurred. So it's either a tartan, like, throw. It's not tartan. Get off the tartan train. It's not tartan. It could be a tartan. Definitely not a tartan. Or a brick wall. It's some sort of pattern. Can't tell what it is. Dateline has tricked us before. Natalie has not tricked us. No, Natalie. Is Natalie bringing her trickiness and doing the Josh Mankiewicz trickery? I don't know if I can handle it. Of the background. I don't know. I know. I can't be tricked again. No, we can't. We can't be so fooled again. Pete tells, I won't be fooled. Okay, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> the Pete tells Natalie 
we were in court over this money. And why would I kill her? You can't take someone to court after you kill them. So the only way I was going to get any of this money is by seeing her in court if she's alive. So why would I kill her? This is true. The defense attorney thinks that it's a murder-suicide. It was her gun. Why didn't he bring a gun to kill her? Also, there was no sign of a struggle. So how did he get the gun from her? Pete believes that the infamous titular phone call, going to keep saying that word, never happened. But Kathleen, that would make Kathleen's mom a liar. So, and but if that call never happened. And the brother a liar. Randy would be a liar too, or someone's lying to Randy. I'm so confused. Randy seemed tired, not like he's making up a story. Randy seemed more annoyed that he's having to bail his sister out at this moment than just straight up lying. She's not in jail. She's about to be murdered. Right. But he's like, okay, drama queen. Like, do you know what I'm saying? A brother and sister type relationship. Like, we don't know what their relationship is. It could be something like that. I don't know. I would hope that someone wouldn't be like, Ugh, my sister's getting murdered again. He was so nonchalant in the phone call that it's really hard to tell. He was bored. He was utterly bored with the whole thing. It's up to the jury now. He thinks he's going home. And so he thinks he's going home. And first thing, he's going to go to McDonald's to celebrate. Okay, that's cute. Maybe jump in the ball pit. What do we think (laughs) Pete gets at McDonald's? I think a Big Mac. I think he's a classic type guy. Okay. Ice cream cone? Oh, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Not dipped, though. That's too froofy. Oh, yeah. Sunday. I think he might get a fish fillet occasionally when Dee tells him to watch his cholesterol, not knowing that the fish fillet is also very unhealthy. Well, don't tell people that. No one wants to hear that. Okay. Sorry. I thought it was common knowledge. So Kathleen's daughter, Blair, is sure he's guilty because of her mom's phone call. But Blair's best friend, Shannon, Uh who I've before wondered why she's here, she's questioning the case a little. She's like, there isn't any evidence, though. That's kind of weird. And finally, I was like, Shannon, I see you. Voice of reason. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's up to the jury. Bear in mind, we're only an hour into a two hour episode. So if this we don't this is unprecedented. We don't. What's hour two? Right. So. Day two of deliberations, the jury comes back. They find him guilty of the murder of Kathleen. Wow. Pete and his family are devastated. But in the verdict of Carl, the murder of Carl, Mm -hmm. they find him not guilty. How? Explain it to me in detail. Go. Like I'm five. Explain it to me like I'm five. No, I'm asking you, Kimberly. Explain it to me. I'm asking you. You... Don't you do it. Don't Don't you you explain it it to me. (laughs) How is he guilty of Kathleen's murder and not of Carl's murder? That is what is that was my one of my first OMG moments. This is a passive aggressive wishy washy jury who was like, well, we got to find him guilty on something. We can't do it for both. Let's just, sorry, for some reason they're from Long Island. Let's just do it for one. I. What are you guys doing? I don't want to hurt his feelings, though. Let's not go all the way guilty. That's too much. I need to know the average age of the jurors. I need to know. I need to know if we're looking at a senior citizen jury. I need to know the average. 
IQ of the juror. I need to know just stats. I need a stat demographic breakdown of the jury so I can make wide accusations and judgments on what happened here. Because this is nonsense. This is malarkey. This baloney is what it is. Sometimes, remember you used yeah. to yell baloney. Baloney! There we go. Uh, there's only been like one other jury in the past year, I would say, that I've really wanted to hear from. I can't remember which one. I want to hear from these people and explain to me the logic of this situation. What do they think happened? So what do they think happened here? He's guilty of one and not the other. She, right. Was was Kathleen killing Carl? Yes. He walked in. And then Pete broke in to save Carl and killed Kathleen. No, I think he broke in specifically to kill Kathleen. To kill Kathleen. While she just happened to be in the act of killing. To be killing Carl. Okay, so this was like a comedy of errors is what this was. That's hilarious. Yeah. Is that a denouement? No. No, it is. That's a double. Du- double. A du- a double. What's murder in French? Just to go with double. I think double sounds great. Also, I wish it was my last name. Catherine Double. <laughs> real good. <laughs> So he gets 50 years, which is basically a life sentence. The prosecutor had said that Kathleen was just a wonderful woman, a great caregiver. Pete has other thoughts. Pete thinks that she tricked his dad and or altered the life insurance herself to get herself in the will. And he thinks she purposefully put a wedge between Pete and the dad. And wouldn't let the dad see Pete. Mm. Even Pete's wife, Dee, called Kathleen and said, please let my kids visit their grandpa. And Kathleen said, no. And if Pete shows up, I'll call the police. None of you can see him. Wow. So a family friend took Orlin, the older, the dad, to dinner. And she secretly brought him to see Pete and the family. And Pete was horrified by how bad his dad looked. He had bruises and scratches and bed sores. So what the F was Kathleen doing being the worst caregiver to the elderly since Angela, 90 Day Fiance? I'm sorry. Was was this her job? No, Angela loves her Second mom. job. She did love her mom. No, this was her second job. Her first job was at the bank. Did she often do this kind of caretaking job? No, I don't believe I don't believe she was trained in this at all. I believe this was like a just a secondary job that she was not probably qualified for. She's not like a nursing assistant. No, I don't think so. Or like a hospice no. care worker. No, no, no. Which God bless. God bless. But then again, why didn't they call in hospice? Well, maybe Orlin met Kathleen somewhere when he was more of sound mind and liked her. She did her wiles on him. We don't know. We don't know. That happens a lot. Not good. Okay. And also hard to tell because we're getting two different stories here. We just can't tell. Exactly. We do see a photo of the dad with some bruising and cuts on his face, though. So I was going to just say with the face stuff, it could just be that could be just a fall at any point, even if someone is there. So it really it's hard to tell. We can't make any judgments. It's rough. Absolutely. Pete moved his dad into his house. And filed an elder abuse complaint against Kathleen. And then he let it go. He thought the system was going to work. Thanks, Dad, for that advice. Pete's kids. So now, how has it worked out so well, Pete? 
you are now in prison. Mm. I mean, it's horrible. He was so naive and it like it did, the system is not working for Pete. Pete's kids are now traumatized. They feel gaslit by the police. They're telling them the truth that they saw him that night, but they keep being told that they're lying. And poor Pete is in prison. He said it was horrible. And Blair, but Blair, she's happy there's a verdict. She is, is so happy that he's in jail. And so is her friend Shannon. But Pete's attorney has made a discovery. The trial had apparently already started when the prosecutor gave her a big file of things from Pete's computer. The defense attorney assumed that it was a copy of evidence she already had. You know what happens when you assume you make an a-hole out of you and Pete goes to jail? After the trial, she finally looks at what was in this file. It was evidence that there was someone on the computer that night at 2.30 when the family said that they heard Pete on the computer and when the murder took place. Kind of. It didn't seem like it was foolproof evidence. It seemed like it showed that there was, it couldn't like proof positive say. Was that what I was hearing? It said that there was, no, it showed that there was someone on the computer. Before and after. They just don't know who. Right before and after. So it would be difficult for him to have committed the murder, right? Like too hard, but it wasn't like completely a hunt. It just seemed like it wasn't like the the bombshell that they needed, for lack of a better term. I feel I felt like it was a bombshell. You do? Okay, okay. I do because she asked for a new trial, and they got it because of it. And based on this, yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. Well, the she says they didn't give it to her in a timely manner, and I was like, uh, they gave it to you in a timely manner. You did not look at it in a timely manner. I don't know if that's the same thing. And I was also wondering, like, was the prosecution every day in trial looking at her, giggling and whispering, like, why is she not using that evidence we gave her? No, I think that what we're looking at, look, if she got a new trial from this, it was not given to her in a timely manner or it was not labeled correctly. Right. That's possible. Maybe it wasn't labeled correctly. I think it might have been given with a bunch of copies of other things slipped in. So they like bury it in there in a big hoping she won't look at it. And then that's on her. She didn't. Yeah. So he is granted a new trial. Almost never happens. Second trial is only about Kathleen's death because he was found not guilty of Carl's. And so his defense attorney says to Pete, I already got you one not guilty. Let's get you the other one. And I was like. You didn't get him that not guilty. That was the jury being completely nonsensical. I still like this lawyer. Yeah, I don't know why. She seemed to really believe in him. And I that counts for something. You're so right. She cared. She cared and she believed in his, his innocence, for sure. I would love anybody in law to tell us if they understand this verdict, though, with the one guilty and the one not guilty. Speaking of nonsense, you've been hearing us talk about Monk Pack forever and you still haven't tried them. Why? Were you on this jury? Because that is the only thing that makes sense to me. Healthy snacks have a bad reputation, much like this jury. And let's be honest, most don't taste very good. They don't fill you up. They certainly don't satisfy your cravings. But now Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars are here to change the game. Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars contain one gram of sugar or less, two to three grams of net carbs, and they're only 150 calories. They're fantastic for anybody following a keto lifestyle and the perfect snack for anyone who's trying to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. 
I am never, ever trying to cut back on sugar and carbs, but I am into trying to eat healthier because my lifestyle right now consists of cheese fries and Rolos, and that needs to change. Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars are absolutely delicious, and I don't feel like I am sacrificing my regular candy schedule because this tastes (laughs) like I'm getting a treat. And I love that, but I'm still eating healthy at the same time. They have the perfect... We are interrupting your normal candy schedule to bring you Monk Pack bars. (laughs) Which is not a bad thing. They have a perfect balance of sweet and salty, a crunch from whole nuts and seeds, but still manage to be soft and chewy, which is exactly what I look for in a snack bar. Soft and chewy is a number one. They come in delicious flavors like caramel sea salt, peanut butter dark chocolate, macadamia white chocolate, which is my A number one holy grail. If you're going to get one flavor and only one, please try the macadamia white chocolate. And if you love chocolate that's not white, they have coconut almond dark chocolate and sea salt dark chocolate, which I think is a crowd pleaser. They are perfect for a quick snack to satisfy your sweet tooth without the guilt. In addition to being keto-friendly, the bars are also gluten-free, plant-based, and non-GMO with no soy, trans fat, sugar alcohols, or artificial colors. Have I mentioned they also taste incredible? You cannot beat the low-sugar nutrition or the taste they provide. And by shopping online, you can avoid another trip to the grocery store by getting Monk Pack delivered right to your door. Try it for yourself and you'll see. We have a special deal for our listeners. You get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code DATEDATELINE at checkout. Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. So to get started, just go to monkpack.com. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K dot com and select any product. Then just enter the code date dateline at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. Monk Pack is delicious, nutritious food you can count on. Woo! Monk Pack Keto, not in seed. Dude, 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 <laughs> Thank you so much, Monk Pack. I love your products. Thank you, Monk Pack. And I love you too. Thank you. They love you. We love you too, Katie. <laughs> I wish they would say that to me. I love those. I love those. They're, I love those crazy whis- bars. They're whispering. <laughs> <laughs> they're whispering to you as you eat them. Mm. We love you. So trial two starts the same as trial one. The defense shows that Kathleen shot herself and it wasn't a murder. They now have new evidence that shows that someone was on the computer at that time. But the prosecution also has something new. They have... A new witness, a jailhouse snitch who looks like a homegrown terrorist version of Duff from the Food Network. Oh. His name is Robert Rupert. That's not real. And is that a real? Yeah. Is that a real name? I don't want to say anything, but. No, not real. It's not a real name. He and Pete had briefly shared a cell in prison. He says Pete confessed everything to him. He said he escaped his house through his bedroom window, but he had a laugh about it because he's like, I was like 300 pounds. There's I was a big guy. I could barely fit. D actually had to help me through the window, which led me to the question, why would he need his wife's help sneaking out the window if she knows why can't he just walk out the front door? Because of the children's. Because of the children's? Yeah. Where are the children's? Yeah. Also, they do keep showing a footage of the house. I'm not sure if it's the house, but it is on the second floor with no trellis or anything. Hmm. So 
maybe it was just a different house. And that was the stock footage house. He says he drove over there in a red Jeep. And then afterwards, he had the wife sell the Jeep so it wouldn't be around. But when, because he was arrested like the next day. So did he have, did she sell the Jeep? Then I don't understand. What in the world? Pete says this is all false. He did have a red Jeep, but he sold it by the time of the crime, like a year before the crime, to a letter carrier. And he gives the name of the letter carrier so we'd know he's telling the truth. But what in the world? So wait a minute. Did Rupert Murdoch know that he did he know him before? No, I mean, they did meet in prison, but how do you know about the Jeep? Well, that was my question, too. I feel like they must have had a normal conversation about cars or something. And then Rupert snuck in like one fact that he thought would make his story sound plausible. If we think he's lying. I thought he was lying. From the jump. It is very weird that he knows about the Jeep. Okay. So Pete tells Natalie, listen, if the house was on fire, I couldn't have gotten out of the window. I was 300 pounds. I was in terrible shape. I could never have done it. And so he's doesn't testify. His attorney says, it's fine. There's no way a sane jury will convince will convict you. Well, guess what, lady? It happened the first time. Why is she so confident this time? So Pete is terrified because he seems to now be questioning his dad's advice that the system is just going to work out. So he's wise up. The second jury comes out. They don't look at him. He looks at his lawyer and says, here we go again. He's found guilty. Oh, my God. Yeah. His attorney is crushed. He's crushed. There's another attorney, though, that his family has reached out to earlier. His name is Brandon Bell. He thinks that the state's case makes no sense. He says, why did no one stop to think, why would Kathleen call her 78-year-old mother and not 911 if someone was breaking into her house? Also, why didn't she just run out the front door if Pete was breaking in? Where has Brandon been this whole episode? Is it like they keep the rational thinkers hidden away somewhere and then they only let them out? When there's already been two trials. And because I I was not thinking clearly when Brandon Bell comes out and lays all this knowledge on us, I was mind blown. I was like, oh, my (laughs) gosh. But again, you had a cavity and that affects your thinking skills. I had more than a cavity. I had a demon in the back of my mouth attempting to kill me. So clearly that affects your brain power. Did you think of any of this? Did you consider why didn't she run out of the house? Because I had not up until this point considered that. I didn't really know where he came into the house. I guess he came in the back. And that's why they're saying, why didn't she run out the front? So no, or maybe they mean when he was killing Carl in the bedroom. Why didn't she run out if she was in the living room? That part I did not think about. I did think about why didn't she call 911? I have not felt that Pete did it since the very beginning. Okay. I don't know why. Maybe because I'm expecting a twist or I believed his family. I don't know. I didn't believe he did. There is something very genuine about the children and Dee, the wife. Extremely genuine. It's hard to fake that. Mm Mm-hmm. So Brandon tries to get the case dismissed, but he failed. Brandon, I was rooting for you. Yeah. But stay tuned. I'm still rooting for you. Okay. Pete, when he's convicted a second time, tells Dee divorce me, move on so you can have a life, which is so heartbreaking. 
And D says, no, he's innocent. You don't just walk away from someone if they're innocent. If I did, it would be like I was telling him I thought he did it. And wow. D, true love. The kids try to move on. Oldest son, Jeremiah, whose hair needs to be combed. Hey. Youngest son, who also has a beard, but he keeps it tight and right. His dad's in prison. Yeah, it's true. But the youngest son, he is all put together. Yeah, that's his jam. Being put I together. felt like he just could have like did done some touch up on his family. I don't think that he and Jeremiah were recording in the same place. They weren't. That's a great point. One of the daughters refuses to get married to have a wedding because her dad was in jail. Ugh. He becomes a grandfather in jail, but he tells his kids, I don't want the grandkids to know they have a grandfather in jail. So tell them I died. OK, so he's super depressed, right? Like, let's just call a spade a spade. Pete has now exhausted all his appeals. He is so depressed in jail. He does consider taking his own life. But then he meets this amazing couple, Sandy and Tom. Sandy was his boss in the laundry department in prison, and her husband was Pete's corrections officer. And they talk him out of suicide. They are awesome. Yes, they are. They tell him, you're going to keep fighting. You are going to get out someday. We're going to help you. It's like, who, they cared so much about him. And he, they, I don't, did they care about all the prisoners that much or just him? I don't know. They sound amazing. Really do. It's really an incredible thing. Yeah. Fall of 2018, there's a new prosecutor who's interested in wrongful convictions. Mark Dupree, hero. Mark Dupree, we see at the beginning of this story. And I thought that he was, for a long time, I thought that he was prosecuting. Right. No, he wasn't involved in the case when it originally happened. He's the new guy. So he starts looking at all these wrongful convictions. He opens up like a unit that does wrongful or conviction. Integrity. Conviction integrity unit. That is a fantastic thing. And it also means that because before he was district attorney, he was a defense attorney. And I feel like that played heavily into his wanting to make sure that these convictions were accurate. Mm -hmm. And I love it. I really, really respect that. That's very cool. Absolutely. Sandy in jail tells Pete, so you're going to leave work early and go to the law library and get started on your letter, right, Pete? And he's like, what? No, I can't do that. And she's like, um, you are or I'm going to call your wife. I love it so much. Sandy is an MVP for sure. So <laughs> like D, he's not writing his letter. Yeah. There's two Sandys. This is the second Sandy we've met. You have not talked about the first Sandy, which is going to make my B-roll bonanza complicated. So we'll get there in the end. <laughs> There's another Sandy that I haven't mentioned. There is. And she comes in twice. She was the one I was talking about that we meet her and we think she's not important. And then she comes back later and gives us a little bit more information. Oh, my God. I cannot wait because I'm... It's totally fine. You just completely left her out. It's it's fine. I have no idea who you're talking about. Okay. So Mark Dupree, his staff brings him Pete's letter and says, this is the best letter we've gotten. Wow. You need to look at this. So Dupree's investigators look into it and they think he might be innocent. Now, it's been 10 years since Brandon Bell that attorney that I was rooting for tried to get the case overturned. And he was so bothered that Pete is, was in jail that he almost gave up law because he just felt like the system is broken and he didn't want to be part of it anymore. Wow. And it's, yeah. 
he stakes on the case now. So he and his coworker start working on the case again, working with the investigators from the DA's office to try to prove that Pete is innocent. He's looking at the photos of the crime scene, specifically of the bedroom where Carl was found. And he's looking at the pillow, the photo of the pillow. And I was like, oh, no, another pillow. Right. Does it have Diana Hahn's face on it? He's it has a gray spot on it that he can't tell what it is. So they go get the pillow out of the evidence room where it's been for 12 years And inside the stuffing of the pillow is a bullet. OMG. So this means that Carl was not hit over the head with a blunt object, that that injury was a graze wound from a bullet, which means there is no missing murder weapon, that the gun was the murder weapon all along. Wow. Yeah. So they also find in evidence that there are swabs from Kathleen's hands that were never tested. Why would they test them, though? Think about that. Because they first, when they got to the scene, thought it was a murder-suicide. So, again, they wouldn't need to test the hands. If they thought it was a murder-suicide, there's no need. That's the ruling is done. Just to investigate, you would. Yeah. But just to confirm. You can't just say it. I think that actually you might be able to just say it. With a coroner telling you, with like a medical examiner just saying, yes, this is a murder-suicide. And then when Pete comes along, they definitely don't want to test it because then it could prove something they don't want it to prove. So if they just don't test it. Right. But so, but that means that it was unethical to, for them to not test it. Is it unethical? Do they have to test it? That's my question. I need law to call me and tell me. I don't think they have to do anything, but is it ethical to test it? It's ethical to not test it. It's not. It is not ethical in my belief to not test it. What are you saying? I don't know. That was 14 double negatives. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is it's very bad that they did not test it in my book, because if you're right and they did it because they were just looking at Pete, Pete's our guy. Let's not even look at other possibilities. That's terrible. So especially this man had had two trials. Why didn't they ever test it for the second trial? Why didn't his attorneys ever try to get it tested? Like, couldn't his attorney try to get it tested? Or before the second trial, try to get it tested? So they test the the residue on her hands, the swabs from Kathleen's hands, and there's gunshot residue in her hands. And the gun only has her DNA on it. Nobody else's. So Kathleen shot the gun. Yeah. And she's the only one that shot the gun. So then the attorney, Brandon Bell, tracks down the jailhouse snitch, Robert Rupert. And he admits that he made it all up. Pete never said he killed anyone. Robert just wanted time off of his sentence. And in the case files, there are emails from other prosecutors telling the prosecutors of this case, don't use Robert Rupert. He's notoriously unreliable. Oh, my gosh. And they used him anyways. And not only that, the original prosecutor pressured him to testify by saying, you'll get more jail time if you don't play along. Which is super unethical. Oh, yeah. Like, so Mark Dupree, the new DA, is like the focus 
unfortunately was never on justice. It was on winning. And we see that all the time on Datelines. We do have an ad for something that will keep families together because we see right now family being torn apart. There's a great way for a family to stay close despite distance or prison sentences. It's almost Mother's Day and all the moms and mother figures in your life deserve an amazing present because they have had to put up with all of us. StoryWorth is an online service that helps your mom, grandmother, mother-in-law, etc., all the mother figures, Mm -hmm. share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. Each week, StoryWorth emails your mom a different prompt, like, what was your relationship with your parents when you were a teenager? And then... If you're Joni, you respond with a story of how she picked her major in college. Love it. It doesn't always make sense, but I'm always learning something new about her that I wouldn't have thought to ask about before. So it's always worthwhile. After a year, StoryWorth takes all of the stories, including photos, and turns them into a keepsake book that's shipped for free. I'm really excited to see my mom's book. Can't Katie, wait. Katie, was your mom doing StoryWorth? Oh, yes, she is. That's going to be so special. Oh, I cannot I cannot wait to read it because sometimes I see her like typing away and I know what she's doing and it makes me really, really happy. <laughs> she's given me some preview, but she's keeping it pretty close to the chest. Also, your nieces are going to have that book forever and stories about their grandma. So that's really sweet. I can't wait for them. Give your mom the most meaningful gift this Mother's Day with StoryWorth. Get started right away with no shipping required by going to storyworth.com forward slash date dateline. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com forward slash dateline for $10 off. It's such a meaningful gift and it's so easy to, you don't even have to wrap anything. It's an incredible gift. It's a cry on opening gift. It's fantastic. Yeah, if you're looking for tears, this is the one. This will get you tears. Yeah. Thank you, StoryWorth. Thank you, StoryWorth. Check them out, guys. So they still have to figure out Kathleen's motive. Like, if she did do this, why did she do it? Well, it turns out there was a lot of reasons that no one ever brought up in trial. Prosecution kept saying she had no reason to kill herself. It must have been Pete. But she did have some reasons. She was drowning financially. She had drained Pete's father's bank account and was possibly facing criminal charges. She was stealing money. And the police were maybe probably going to charge her with embezzlement. Then it turns out she had been also stealing from the bank she worked at and her boss knew. Her boss had just found out. And we find this information out from Sandy number two. Oh, is that Sandy? The coworker. Yes. Who appears at the beginning to tell us what kind of a coworker Kathleen was and then reappears at this point to say, but actually she was stealing money. <laughs> and Kimberly has written her out of her recap. And I think you owe Sandy number one an apology. Sandy, I want to tell you something, girl. <laughs> I'm so sorry, girl. You don't have to make it like a radio thing. <laughs> this, this song goes out to Sandy number one. Where'd you go, boo? This song goes, girl. For all the times you stood times. <laughs> Sandy, I owe you an apology, girl. I'm everything I am. I can't wait to hear what your B-roll is because I do not remember it at all. Because so. you love me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sandy. So maybe Kathleen planned on killing her husband and herself 
in then framing Pete. So she went about spreading all these false rumors about Pete, putting a wedge between him and his dad, saying that he was on drugs, saying that he was threatening her. This is diabolical. Straight up. This is straight up diabolical to plan to kill yourself and to frame someone else for and your husband kill your husband too and why you have to kill carl that was my question that's why i kind of don't know if they're right on track with this why did carl have to die why did carl have to die what did carl do apparently they had been fighting though the daughter did say that oh that's true but carl by all means was very nice but we don't know that. Maybe he wasn't. So was Pete. And so was so she. They were all supposed to be nice. So I don't know what's happening here. Well, the one thing they could think of is that if she was murdered, her family would get her life insurance. Yes, that's correct. So if and if she had killed her killed herself, then they wouldn't. So maybe that's why she had to frame someone else for it. And she hated Pete. The phone call to her mother shows up on her mom's ID. So she did call her mom, which means mom wasn't lying and the son, Randy, wasn't lying. Randy was just bored by the whole situation. Randy, I don't know if you're off the hook or not. I really, I, the jury's out on <laughs> I still Randy. think I'm... you were too lackadaisical for the intensity that the situation required. Sorry, am I being hard on Randy? I don't mean to be hard on him. Look, I'm sure that things have been... Rough. I am way harder on Randy than you I am, are. I don't know. I, I don't know. I have thoughts. If I was in danger and my brother sounded like that on the 911 call... Oh, yeah. You would kill my brother if he sounded that bored on the 911 call. He would be getting a very nasty email followed by a very several series of nasty text messages. Let's just put it that way. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So she did apparently call her mom and fake that Pete was trying to break in the titular phone call. Mm -hmm. In November 2020, Pete's attorneys are now going after the state and their case because Pete feels like not only was he a victim of Kathleen, he was a victim of the state, too. Because they did all this horrible stuff to get him convicted. First of all, they think now they need to prove that she shot herself in the back of the head to make it look like a suicide. And the original ME says, actually, yeah, that is possible. And I was like, but you're the one who said it was a murder. But he now says it is totally possible that she could have shot herself in the head. And... He says, I was wrong and I was going to be really mad at him. But then he starts crying and he says how much he deeply regrets it and how his mistake impacted other people's lives. I was like, OK, he became. No, Kimberly, he's a that was a precious moment. That crying guy. It was upsetting. I felt so bad for him, but it was very upsetting. But then remember that he also not only said that she didn't shoot herself in the back of the head, he mistook a gunshot to the head for blunt force trauma in Carl's case, which made them think there was a missing murder weapon, which made them think it must be someone so else. It could have been. It could have also a graze could probably also look like a crowbar. Think about it. It's a scrape on your head. But this is his job, Katie. Like we might think that, but this is his job. To know the difference. I still felt bad for him, but I see your point. Good point. 
I know. I felt really bad for him. I did. I did. I really did. But the thing is, when your mistakes are costing people their lives, okay, I'm glad you feel bad now. At least he felt bad. At least. We never see that. We never see. We usually see people like still trying to like, I stand by my what I ruled at the time. Right. And at least this person was That's able true. to st- stand up and say, I am horrified by yeah. this mistake that I've made. These series of mistakes. No, you're right. And go on Dateline and admit it on national television. Like have a mea culpa or whatever. Is that what that is? Yeah, that, you're right. Yeah. You're right. I will give him the grace of accepting his apology, even though it wasn't directed towards me. <laughs> he appreciates it. We all appreciate it. I have nothing to do with the situation, but sir, I accept your apology. That that means everything to him. I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> the judge now gets to decide. He does one of these things where the judges give a really, really long, like, we don't know how long, but I'm imagining it was like 45 minutes of just going on and on about my job is so hard and everything and blah, blah, blah. And this evidence. My birthday and this, and was Tuesday. Like, no one showed just up. Just get to it. <laughs> <laughs> just tell us, oh my God, I just found out I'm allergic to salmon and it's my favorite way to get protein. My dog has to take these pills every day, which is really, <laughs> he doesn't like to take the pills. It's a constant struggle. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear all about it. Just like the audience of our show is doing right now. Stop that. Tell us what's happening. So every so finally he says, you know what? What happened to you, Pete, wasn't fair. There was misconduct by the state. And we're really sorry. And you get to go. You're free to go. And it's like, wow. I thought he was going to have a heart attack. I got really scared at this point. I was like, oh, my God, his heart can't take it. Yeah, he went into a daze. It's been almost 13 years since this started. And D, his wife, is overjoyed. But Blair, Kathleen's daughter, she is very, she's in shock because she's always thought of her mom as the victim. But if this is true, she's now the villain. And it's only been a few weeks since this happened when she's sitting down with Natalie. Mm -hmm. And she says she's very confused and she doesn't know what to believe. But she's actually starting to believe it, which is shocking I, um, because I thought she was a family in denial person for sure. I had her all wrong. I had her all wrong. I give her huge amounts of credit. It would be unbelievably hard to hear something like this. Three weeks. And then talk about it on national television. I also want to give Natalie props on this because she handled it beautifully like with a lot mm-hmm. of care, respect and care. Yeah. Gentleness. Yeah. yeah. Understood mm-hmm. that obviously this girl is going to be struggling emotionally. And I thought Blair's reaction was about as perfect as you could get, to be honest, because she the, she's crying and you don't know why she's crying. She's crying very hard. Right. And you're expecting her to say this is never she's crying the whole episode. And you're like, she's die hard for her mom. She's never going to believe this. And just is, is crying because you expect that she's crying because he got released. Right. And tell us why she's actually crying. She says, if this is true, I feel so badly for Pete's family. And like she's genuinely crying. And at that moment, Blair became an MVP because that's an MVP type statement. Yeah, seriously. 
The family almost never switches. And they don't switch in three weeks, even. Three weeks, that's so short of a time. And she didn't switch. She just is, like, processing it in a way where she's looking at both sides. She's being open to the uh, to this side actually being true. And that is, I have so much respect for that because absolutely so many people i mean i would say 98 percent are not able to do that yeah and she was go girl go girl dupree says this is everything that first year da's are taught not to do what was done i love dupree i love him i love so much and so the original prosecutor who looks like Ken Kratz from Making a Murderer with the smarmy high-pitched voice. Really does. Ed, right? Ed Brancart. He works now for the attorney general's office because, of course, but there is a possibility that there will be repercussions, but he's white, so I just don't think so. Time will tell. But at least Dupree, like, kind of slips that in. I thought it was very clever. Mm -hmm. What do you think the odds are that Dupree would come to my house for Thanksgiving? would bring his family to my house for Thanksgiving because I think that would be nice. I would I have just I just want to hang out with him. I think medium to high. Oh, likelihood. Okay, good. What if and I'm going to I would order in food if you reached out really respectfully. Yeah. And said, would you and your family like to come to Thanksgiving? And then we could talk about his career and how he went from being a defense attorney to the district attorney. Yeah, you're going to really need to cook. No, I'm going to be ordering. I'm going to order just monk pack. Yeah. Oh, no, that's not. That's for thing. I love monk pack. Hello, fresh. For Thanksgiving dinner for guests. Okay. And then, but a monk pack for just like snacks. I'll just cut them up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For snacks. Perfect. Yeah. And it's fine for a meal even on a non-Thanksgiving day. But when you have guests over that are of this esteem, you might need stuffing also. So maybe stuffing with monk pack on the side deal pete is released from prison his family is so happy his youngest kids are now grown they are all trying to put the family back together his son said they just go they go out and they walk around walmart and i was like a walmart sighting at the very end of the episode that was surprising he said he gets so excited to pick everything up and he also gets to meet his grandkids who were kind of maybe told that he was not alive. So that might be a little confusing for them, but I'm sure they'll explain it to them when they get older. I don't think they did because it was Melody. Since it's her child is the grandchild, I think under no circumstances, no matter what dad said, she, she did not tell her child that grandpa wasn't alive. She didn't do it. That girl's, no, she's headstrong and she's whip smart. There's no way. Yeah, that's fair. Pete tells Natalie he's looking towards the future and he's not bitter. He's thinking about what happened to him as only a speed bump and he's happy about what he has and not what he lost. And now trigger warning. If you don't want to hear something very sad, skip forward like two minutes. So in early February of this year, he is hospitalized and he passes away from cancer And he was only out of jail for 108 days. But on the other hand, he got to be with his family. For a hundred, for almost. Out for 108 days. Yeah, for almost half a year. 
but it's brutal. And I was very upset. And then when it cuts back, I like got a little teary. And then when it cut back to Lester, I felt like Lester was crying, even though I feel like he pre-tapes a lot of these right in a row and probably isn't watching the episode. But I felt like he was about to cry. It was so sad. I'm just so glad he was out. I'm so glad he had those days. It's awful that he was there, but if there's any silver lining, he got this time and he got to say a proper goodbye to the people that he loved and that loved him so much. So it's so, so important. I'm really, really glad. You do wonder, though, if he hadn't been in jail, if he would have been getting regular checkups and maybe. Well, I mean, I think it was I was concerned the minute we start talking to him because we had seen so many pictures of him and his weight loss was so drastic that I immediately was like, oh, he's ill. Which is also just maybe... I just thought it was a prison diet. It's maybe just something where my mind goes, but it just seemed like something was off. And so I wasn't horribly surprised when we found out. I was just, I had hoped I was wrong because he deserves more time. But I'm so glad, and I'm sure his family is grateful of the time that they got. I'm sure they're very angry about other things. Yeah. But they got their dad at home, you know. That's for that. And Mm -hmm. the son was really sweet. The Ben, who we meet at the beginning, who's sitting on the couch kind of next to his dad. And he's sort of like, my dad and I had a great relationship before he went in. We're continuing that relationship now. And he had this little smile on his face like we picked up right where we left off. And I was like, that's amazing. That's so great. He didn't let it beat him. You know, in the end, he didn't let it get him down. Mm hmm. How to not not be bitter. These people that are wrongfully convicted, they're never bitter. It's it's amazing. I think you have to sort of think about where you've been. You you have to just sort of have this calm. You have to get that within you because otherwise you can't get through the days. Right. So you are in a survival mentality. And so I think by the time you're actually out, all you are is grateful that you're out. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I can't speak for any of these people, but they're also just stronger people than us, maybe. They are. They're better people. I probably think you go, well, they've taken 15 years of my life. I'm not going to let them take a second more by me thinking about them all the time. And being bitter. And being angry. Then they get more power. Right. Exactly. You're 100% right. This was a fantastic episode. Let me just say that if we were still doing our rating system, this would be, this is five stars, A plus, whatever. Yeah. Top of the charts. Way to go, Natalie. Way to tell this story and way to like get some great interviews. Really good job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there are some lingering questions, which are like, how did the snitch know about the Jeep? People had questions about how the gun landed by her feet, if that was a natural place for the gun to land. But overall, I think they figured out what happened. The only other thing I can think of is that Carl was, I was trying to figure out if it's possible for Carl to have killed her and then killed himself, but he would have had to shoot himself like three times. No, 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 no. I don't think so. And I don't think he had any motive. I think she had the motive. So. I just have a really bad feeling that actually everyone kind of had altruistic motives. So she was doing a very bad thing by stealing from this older man and et cetera, et cetera, stealing from the bank. But in her death, what she was trying to do was a not disgrace her daughter and leave her some money. Like if that was the reason that she did like her ultimate act of suicide was for that, that would be very difficult for that daughter to take. Right. Yeah. I just can't see putting a man in jail, an innocent man in jail. 
But she hated him. But did she really hate him? Like, he says, I didn't hate her. Like, I didn't. He's like, we were in court, but I'd hate her. I mean, it just makes her look really diabolical. But it's hard for me to see Blair, who's so, like, kind of very clear thinking in this moment and think that's her mom. That doesn't compute to me. You know, Blair, who's thinking about this other family in a time of grief. Mm -hmm. That's true. It, that's a that doesn't compute, right? But then I look at Joni and I look at I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're the sweetest of the sweet. Okay. If you like people. All right. What's B roll of Sandy, please? <laughs> Sandy Sandy number one B roll. Yeah, let's get to it. <laughs> so work friend Sandy has maybe one of the most awkward walks we've seen on B roll Bonanza. It was so incredibly awkward. She's definitely kind of looking at the people around the camera going like, is this okay? Because <laughs> she kind of starts laughing halfway through her walk down the street. And she's sort of looking over at the people like, hi. I totally did not see that. It was really, really awkward. It was great. And also I wrote her down because I was like, oh, she's so superfluous. She comes on for two sentences, which is why I was laughing when you were talking about a Shannon. Is that the friend? Of Blair? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And, and Sandy was super superfluous until the end when she sort of drops the bomb about the stealing of the money. She was the one that they interview about that. But the thing is, I feel like that could have been done in like a voiceover by Natalie. We needed to give Sandy this moment. I have a feeling Sandy was really excited to be on Dayline. Then God bless. I'm happy for her. I'm really happy. That's what I say. I say, go get it, Sandy, number one. You're a champion. Did you have some B-roll? I had a couple other things. What do you have? They keep showing the photo of his home office and there's four Coke cans by the computer. And I was like, no wonder he was up all night going to the bathroom and coughing. I got that too. So many Cokes. They are a Coke family. Yeah, so many Cokes. Yeah. What game is on his computer? What is the screensaver? What game is that? Couldn't tell. Couldn't tell. Oh, I was really hoping you knew. I was like, Best Fiends? No. No, I would have loved it. Wasn't there. Okay. They keep showing a photo of Kathleen in front of a giant slot machine. What? Where is that? <laughs> I was like, where's, because has Katie been there? That would be Katie's dateline photo in front of a large slot machine. Can I request that? Yeah, sure. People, some of our listeners have files on their folder for dateline photos. And they'll be like on Twitter, Josh Mankiewicz, I need you to know I started a file on my computer, Dateline Photos. These are the photos I want you to use of me. Well, I think Kimberly and I also just came up with our Christmas slash Hanukkah card for this year. Which is what? Going to be what our Dateline photo is going to be. Oh, okay. We have to come up with something. Mine will have to be, half of it will be me in front of a giant slot machine. And yours will be you in front of the giant ball of yarn. What do you want to be in front of? Like a kitten? Well, no. Like, well, I was thinking because you did quite a bit of knitting. What would you like to be in front of? I don't know. Eating a giant piece of pizza. Oh, one of the big mama's ones. And then everyone on TV is like, where'd she get that pizza? And then they get all distracted and aren't really paying attention to the story. I know where you got that pizza. I've seen those pizzas. I want one of those B-rolls that is so distracting. Like the slot machine where people are like literally on Twitter, like, where did she, what is that? And then other people be like, this is about her murder, guys. But that's not what I want. I want people just have fun discussing things. I I That sounds very you. I will say that I think those giant slot machines are probably 
all over the place in Vegas. And it's just you're not thinking about it because it's just Vegas. Yeah, so I'm sure. I'm sure they're yeah. in every single casino. They are. Because it's the one, it's like the joke one that you pull. I'm sure they are. But you aren't allowed to take pictures in casinos. That's absolutely not true anymore. <laughs> I've been told twice to put down my camera when I was trying to take a picture. In approximately 2001, the last time you were in Vegas. I swear. Are you not la- are- Have you been to Vegas in the last 10 years? Yes or no? Probably been about 10 years. Do you think that they are going to tell every single person with a cell phone that's constantly out now to put away your cell phone? Everyone in a casino is on their cell phone now. Yeah, I guess I didn't really think about it. They kind of had to let it go. But when this episode took place with Kathleen, she it was probably not allowed. So she's always been a rule breaker. Oh, good point. That's all I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, rule breaker, name taker. Love it. Anything else? The fashion police was really just the facial hair. We just had some intense beards, like full lumberjack beards. Yeah. Okay. But also Natalie wears a leather jacket. Yes, she does. I think that might be her thing. A black leather. She wears dark leather. Yeah. Andrea tends to wear lighter color leather. Yeah. Is she the brunette to Andrea's blonde? Is that what's happening here? But she has lighter highlights. She does. Also, Natalie's jewelry choices are phenomenal. I'm just going to state that. I love Andrea's jewelry as well, but Natalie's jewelry is just always, it's just very delicate and very pretty and always like the tones are very nice. I don't know. Yeah. Andrea wears more statement pieces, I feel like. She does, or she'll wear a necklace, but I feel like Natalie sort of will wear multiple pieces, but it just blends. So she'll wear, you know, a few rings and a few earrings and things like that. I, I love that. Because when that's done right, it looks so good. I wish I could do it. I try. It's not that great. Okay. Oh, don't sell yourself shit. I do. I have a big face. It's hard for me. I can't do a lot of jewelry. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much all I have. Kathleen's daughter is constantly wearing like a shawl or blanket around her the whole time. I think she's cold. They're like in a loft somewhere. Her daughter lives in some hip loft. It's during her interview. It's in her B-roll when she's walking. And it's in her B-roll when she's in her house. So she's not taking that off. Look, I've been known to wear a slanket for days and days on end. So I'm not mad at you. Also, you're going through a traumatic time. Wear that. That's a comfort whoopee. Get that on your shoulders. (laughs) Brands unhappy. What were you thinking? Q-tip? Yeah, definitely quick trip. Whatever that is. Coke, for sure. Yeah, but that it did look good, actually. It's like, oh, playing some video games, drinking Coke. Did you get more of your coffee? Your coffee Coke? I did. I'm dr- I drank it during this episode. Why was he up so late? He needs to go to bed. I didn't really have any good titles. Unfortunately, I didn't either. I really tried, which is weird. I couldn't. I kept getting stuck on the adventures of Pete and Pete. I couldn't get off it. It was like a bad, bad record. <laughs> so I had adventures of Jail Pete and Free Pete. Or what about Pete and Repeat? What's that? What's that saying? Pete Repeat. Oh. Pete Repeat Trial. Wash, rinse, repeat. Okay, that works. There we go. I'm someone's going to be yelling at us right now because they're going to have thought of something really good. I had petering on the edge for some reason. I had the quick trip lollipop. I don't, that doesn't go at all. What else did I have? Oh, framed. I thought this would have been an episode they could have just called framed, but then that would have given the whole thing away. But then everyone would know that he was framed. Oh, wait. And then I had a really good one. How about the titular phone call? I wrote that titular phone call. 
I know. I figured you did. I really like that word. It's very good. You sound very smart saying it, so I'm glad you like it because it, it works for you. Oh, thanks. Yes, yeah, good luck. Thanks. I did had one that was like taking the red eye to the truth or something because everyone had the reddest eyes. Every single person, except for Natalie. They were crying. Had bright red eyes from crying. They need those eye drops. Or there was a fire nearby. They should have had those Visine or the dry eye commercials with Jennifer Aniston on in there because that w- they would have made a mint. Did you try those eye drops yet? Those Lumiere ones, the ones that make your eyes so, so white. I wanted to ask you because I was going to order them for you. Are you interested in trying no, I've them? I've never tried them. Oh, I'm sending them no, to you. No, I, I don't have any feelings about the whiteness of my eyes. I, I don't need them. They are so fun. You think you don't have feelings until you use those eye drops. And then you're like, oh, my goodness. What a difference a drop makes. I don't want to change. That creeps me out. No. Altering the color of your eye whites. No. What? You just make. That bothers. Oh, for goodness sakes. All right. Never mind. It's like, no. <laughs> it's unnatural. Did you have any, whatchamacallit, Twitter? Twitter sphere. Okay. Caitlin says, maybe Dateline decided we were too clever and now they set out to confuse us with this episode. Yeah. We were very confused. Redheaded Scott said, so far this case seems so obvious that Pete is the murderer. I can't wait for the inevitable twist that's going to F me up. And then later on, he tweeted, reader, it F'd me up. (laughs) (laughs) And like tear emojis. Kelly said malicious prosecutors should have to serve the sentence of the convicted person. And I've never agreed with anything more. Wow. Come on. Mm -hmm. Casey said James Rumbling, the mail carrier who bought Pete's red Jeep watching this episode of Dateline. Why am I in it? Totally is. Totally is. What? Please don't bring my name up. (laughs) It's like there was one episode where a guy was like, I lost my virginity to this girl name, whatever. And then everyone on Twitter was dying. Like, who's Googling her now? Who's on Facebook? (laughs) Find her. Does she know they're talking about when she lost her virginity on Dateline? I love it. And then my favorite tweet was from Big Delane 78. So he just broke in and killed Kathleen and somebody else killed Carl. That's a lot of traffic that night. That is just (laughs) wild. I still don't get it. The neighbors are like, what's all this coming and going? All these people coming into their house. What in the world did the jury think happened? How is he guilty of one and not guilty of the other? Come on. It's like lazy juroring. Lazy jurors. They don't really want to let him off. It's it's exactly what I said. It's passive aggressive. It's really weird. Mm-hmm. No, and it's like when they give a different sentence, like a lesser sentence, because they don't feel good about it, because they kind of don't want to convict him or they don't think there's enough evidence, so they give him a lesser. But that's not what that's for. If you don't think there's enough evidence, then you do not guilty. But it's like when they kind of think they're guilty, they go, well, we'll do manslaughter. Like, they use it like a sliding scale when that's not what it's there for, you know? It's like... It's grading on a curve. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that's not what that's for. So if anyone can explain to us how it is guilty of one and not guilty of the other without them saying she was in the process of killing Carl or just killed Carl when he broke in and killed her. And then a third person came and killed Pete. It was like a big train no nobody killed pete no i'm just saying like it's like a human centipede or something yeah human murder pete yeah there you go did it thank you everybody for listening 
Everybody wish healing thoughts towards Katie's mouth. And eh, don't waste your time. <laughs> no, okay. Put your put your healing thoughts towards anyone still suffering out there during this pandemic. Please. We're not out of the woods yet. So Yeah. And please take care of your mental health. Like reach out to somebody if you need to talk. Reach out to somebody if you are in need of help and reach out to your friends and check on them. Take care of each other's mental health. Yeah, absolutely. And stay safe. Follow us on social media. Join us on Patreon. Um, We're wrapping up 90 Day Fiance. So if you've missed it thus far, you're going to want to tune in because we're going into the the tell-all, which is just a bundle of excitement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know what that noise was. That was my bundle of excitement. I liked it. It was cute. It was adorable. It was like a little bunny. We're going to be interviewing Bob and Joni about their 90 Day Fiance thoughts for Patreon. So if you have questions for them, let us know. Oh, yeah, please. Oh, my goodness. I have so many questions. Number one, how dare you? (laughs) 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 Bye, everybody. There are two Claras. (laughs) Two Claras. It never gets old. Bye. No, it doesn't. Bye, everybody. M-U-N-K. P-A- No, M-U-N-K. How, what what was my song? That's it. Nope, that's not it. Why do you think it's a tomato? No, I thought it was punch, but the tomatoes threw me off. But why did you think it was a tomato? It doesn't look like an orange slice to me. So I don't feel like they're serving punch at their black tie Christmas party. Definitely are. I feel like they're serving things in glasses. They have a staff of waiters. It's not a high school dance. I think fancy parties have punch and I think they have multiple punches. If it's a black tie party, they probably have like a champagne punch and like some sort of like cherry, like a red flavored punch. And then maybe they have like a Sprite blueberry something concoction, bubbly something. I'm assuming they have multiple punch bowls set up around the house. That's my thought. No, they have a bar with a bartender. Maybe that's not how they do it in Montgomery. I've never been to a party in Montgomery. I feel like Montgomery is a punch bowl town. Let us know if you're from Montgomery.